0: In Matthew chapter 26, we see where Jesus first instituted the Lord's Supper with his disciples. In Matthew 26, he he, uh, just talked, talked to them and said, in the 26th chapter, down around verse 26 or something. Okay, verse 26, look at it. And as they were eating, they, they'd never done this before. This was, disciples had never experienced this now. This was new. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it and said, and, and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take Eve, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink, drink from it all of you. For well, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But then he says something very significant. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I will drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He said, now, This is my body, I'm going to die on the cross for you. This is my blood, I'm going to shed it for your sins. But I want you to know, I'm not not going to do this again with you until I do it in my Father's kingdom. Then over in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, right, right around verse 26. You know, Paul was not with them when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper for the disciples. But later on, when he was in in the desert with Jesus for three years, and God was teaching him, he, he, he talked about it. And I won't go back to verse 23, but the main one I want to look at is verse 26. But let me just start back. Paul said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it in remembrance, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. All right, now I want you to look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, listen, you proclaim my death until I come. You see, one of the great messages of communion in the Lord's Supper, he said, I'll not drink of this again. I will not participate in this supper with you again to his disciples until I do it in the, in the, in the kingdom, when, I'm, I, when we do it in heaven. And then he said to the, Paul, he said, now, I want you all to remember that, and he had told this to his disciples another time, that as often as you do this, you're remembering one thing, that I'm coming back. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget that, that he's coming back. Now, you, you realize that the gospel is right here, that Jesus Christ made the perfect sacrifice for our sin. He did the perfect sacrifice. The Bible says he bore our sins in his body on the cross. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. Put your name there. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He took our place and by his stripes we are healed. And so when we take the unleavened bread, we remember that Jesus suffered and died on that cross so that we could be forgiven. And when we drink the fruit of the cup, we remember that this is his uh, the, the symbol of his precious blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And we realize that all we needed to be forgiven, all we needed to be saved, all we needed to stay saved, and all we needed to live a holy life, and all we needed to go to to live eternal life. Jesus has purchased and paid for by his death on the cross. And no wonder, no wonder Paul said, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you die and go to hell, it is because you reject the sacrifice of Jesus for your sin. I want you to know that Jesus blockaded the road to hell with the cross. And the only way you can go there is to try to go around the cross or the other way because I'm telling you, he paid the price for your sins. And you can be forgiven and you can be changed. But you know, you have to realize you're a sinner and you have to repent. And that means change your mind. I don't want to keep living like I'm living. And then you have to throw yourself upon the mercy of God and receive Christ as your savior. So the message of the, of communion is that a way has been made. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, "This man, after he offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high." Jesus weighed one sacrifice for sin forever. And it says in verse 29, By one offering, he perfected those who are being sanctified. Okay, but having realized now that it is only through the cross and his shed blood and his perfect sacrifice that we can be forgiven, then he said, but now listen, don't you forget that what I've started, I'm going to finish when I come back. He said, oh, there, there is more that I am going to do. And he was speaking about, his return. I want us to look this morning at the coming of Jesus. There's so much that you can only touch the surface. But I want you to understand the Bible is clear about the certainty of the second coming, the return of Jesus Christ. The Bible's absolutely clear. It's hard to believe, but there are over 200 references, 200 references in the New Testament alone to the fact that Jesus is coming back. I mean, how many times does God have to say it for us to get the message? Over 200 times. For example, in John 14, 3, where he was talking about heaven, and this is what he said to his disciples. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, listen to him, I will come again and receive you to myself. And that's exactly what he is going to do. He may receive you now before the rapture comes, or he may save you, receive you then if you, if you die in Christ. But the point is, Jesus said, I will come again. What about the angels? You know, Jesus had died on the cross. God had raised him from the dead. The disciples who did not believe. Thomas who said, I won't believe he's alive unless I put my hand in his side and the my finger in the print of the nails, <clears throat> the disciples who were full of unbelief, once they saw Jesus, once he spoke, spoke peace to them, <clears throat> he spent 40 days with them. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, I want you to listen to what the angels said. Jesus said, I will come again. <clears throat> then, when they had spoke, when, then when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And then the angels went on to say, and they, as they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood before them in white apparel and said, Ye men of Galilee, why do you, st- do you stand gazing into heaven? Now listen to what he says. The angel said, This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you've seen him go. You said you watched him go up in the clouds, and one day he's coming back in the clouds, and every eye shall see him. So Jesus said, I, I'll come again to receive you to myself. The angel said, this same Jesus will come again. You know, in 1 Thessalonians four sixteen through and 17, you know, the early church taught about the return of Christ. They taught about it. And, man, it's a, it's a powerful passage in First Thessalonians 4 where it talks about the return of Jesus. And uh, he says in verse 16, it's on the screen, the Lord himself. Now, don't you like this? Folks, I mean, it's all over the Bible. Let me tell you something. I know this world's crazy now. I, I know that it, chaos is everywhere. I know people are wondering what's next. But I want to tell you something. The Bible tells us, look, Jesus came, died, rose again. He's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. But one day the father is going to say, son, it's time, go. And he's going to come. And I'm telling you, that gives us hope. We can go through anything when we know that one day Jesus will come and get us. And it says in verse 16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Glory to God, he's not going to be on video. He's coming in person. Man, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. Can you hear the trumpet sound? And the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we shall always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. Well, you get over to the last book in the Bible. I'm talking about the certainty of his coming. The certainty. Jesus said, I will come and receive you to myself. The angel said, this same as Jesus is coming. And then it, it, over the early church taught it, but you get over to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation twenty two twelve, And listen to what Jesus said. Behold, I am coming quickly. He said it'll be just like this, in the twinkling of an eye, just like that. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. To give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And then over in verse um, verse 20. Ber- verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Now Jesus is in see, John Jesus gave John the book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos. And so he said to John as he closed out the book, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. There's the certainty of the return of Christ. But now I want to talk about the time of his coming. How do we know when he's coming back? You say, Brother Fred, I sure would like to sit down and ask Jesus, Lord What are the signs of the time? What are the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? Did you know that is exactly what the disciples did? They they were there, and in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, they said Jesus was on the Mount of Olives, and and they asked Jesus in in the third verse of Matthew 24, verse 3, He said, they said, Lord, what is the sign of your, now as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So what did Jesus do? He answered them. He said, I'll tell you. And by the way, They did not say signs. I just noticed that. What will be the sign of your coming? Because there are multiple signs, but they're all one sign. Because they all converge together, and they all point to the same thing. When Jesus told them the time, he said, first of all, I want you to know that false religions, false Christ, and false prophets... Are going to rise. Matthew 24, verse 4 and 5, listen to what he says. And Jesus answered and said to them, boy, you need to hear this in this day. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. And you look over in verse 11 and he says, and many false prophets will rise and deceive many. The sign of his coming is the rise of false Christ. You say, How? I don't know of any. Well, what do you think Mohammed was? He was a false Christ. He claimed to be, quote, the prophet of God, of Allah. Well, he was a false Christ. What do you think Buddha was? He was a false Christ. Billions follow Mohammed. Millions and millions follow Buddha. What do you think about the almost 200 Hindu gods that the people all across India bow before. What do you think about the false prophets in our day day, who do not preach the, the word of God, but preach their own opinions and philosophies? The sign of his coming is that false Christ, false religions, false prophecies, and they're everywhere, everywhere. The second sign is Notice what he says in verse 6 and 7. There will be wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. All right, and that's, that's, It's a sign, not only of false Christ, false prophets, false religion, there's the sign of wars. You say, Brother Fred, there's always been wars. Yeah, there has. But you see, when they all converge together and become the sign, you know, we know what's going on in Syria. That's the worst genocide I've ever seen in my life. If there was ever a wicked man, it's the man who's over Syria. He, he poison gassed his own people. Hundreds of thousands have been killed because they're trying to th- overthrow a regime of a wicked and godly family that's been in rule for almost a 100 years. But you go from Syria, and then you go to Iraq. But no, let let me tell you what the real deal is. Did you know what the real deal is? No place is safe anywhere now. Because you see, ISIS, radical Islam, uh, the the Taliban, or al-Qaeda, or Boko Haram, whether it was if you're in Kenya or Nigeria. You see, now you think, well, you know, just the the radical Islam is just coming after America. Oh, no. They they, they want to blow up trains and and stations in France. They want to blow up places in Europe. They want to blow up Benghazi. Hey, you don't understand. You you, you don't understand. There is the mission of the radical Islam Islam, the ISIS, all of them, you know what it is? Their mission is they're commanded if they want to be sure they get to heaven, is they got to kill Christians and Jews. They got to kill the infidels. Well, there's some infidels in Europe, by the way. There's some infidels in France. And by the way, if you don't know it, they think you're an infidel. And they want to get to heaven, they think the best thing they can do is kill you. You're talking about wars. You talk about rumors of war. When really it's almost like no place is safe. Because the threat of war is everywhere. It's everywhere. And so this is just another sign of the coming of the Lord. All right, you go on and, and there, there, there's the sign of false prophets and false Christ. There's a sign of wars and rumors of wars. And then he says there's going to be signs in the earth. And look at verse 27. He said there will be signs in the earth. In verse 7 he says, nation shall rise against nation There will be famines, Matthew 24, 7. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. These are the beginning of sorrows. Did you know that three-fourths of the world goes to bed hungry every night? Three-fourths, three-fourths of the world spend most of their day trying to find enough food to live another day. You find that hard to believe in America, don't you? But it's true. There's, there's famine. It's not that there's not enough food, but the corrupt people, you can't get it to the right people. So there's famine. There's pestilences. The superbugs. HIV. All these things that have happened. And so there's famines. There's pestilences. And there's signs in the earth. And there are earthquakes. You know, there was just one uh, in Chile this week, an 8.5. There was just one last week off the coast of Mexico. That was 6.5. There was one in Nepal that basically leveled most of that country. And they've yet to recover. Hey, you say, but Brother Fred, there's always been false religions. There's always been wars. There's always been pestilences. But let me tell you something. They're all together now. They've converged. It's like the perfect storm coming together. And then, boy, look at this one. How true we know this is. There'll be persecution of God's people. Look at chapter 24, verses 9 and 10. Did you know the most hated people in the world are children of God, Christians. They're persecuted in every country all over this world. There were more martyrs in last year of Christian people than it was in any time in history. And even in America there is hostility and a rising spirit of persecution against the people of God. And it says here in verse 9, They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And, 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 and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and hate one another. So there's persecution. And there's never been more persecution than it is today. And then there's one last part of the sign. It's lawlessness. It's lawlessness. I want you to look over in... Um, I believe it's verse uh, 12. Look at this. And because lawlessness, you know what lawlessness is? Sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. He said, then lawlessness, lawlessness, verse 12, will abound and the love of many will wax cold. See, we're living in a day in which they're calling right, wrong, calling wrong, right, calling light, darkness and darkness light it's a reprobate mind and lawlessness abound men marrying men women marrying women killing babies every day there's lawlessness all over the land there are uh, government leaders lighting up the white house and the rainbow colors you, you know what do you think God thinks about this what do you think God thinks about it he said I'll tell you something I'm coming I'm coming you just need to know that I'm not I'm not asleep I'm not asleep. I am fully aware. And so, listen the signs of the times, they're everywhere. So, the certainty of His coming, the timing of His coming, and the majesty and the glory of His coming. You know, I love this. You know, the first time Jesus came and He was born in a manger, in a stable, He came in humility. But I want to confess to you, one day he's coming, when he comes back, he's not coming back in a manger. He's coming back as a, not coming back as a baby. He's coming back as the king of kings and lord of lords and majesty and power and in glory. Oh, yes. He is coming as a reigning king. You know, the first time Jesus came, he was judged by Pilate. I got news for you. When Jesus comes again, not only will Pilate be judged, but everyone will be judged by the Son of God. The Bible says in in Romans, the, the 14th chapter, it says, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans chapter 14, verse 10, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And then in verse 12, it says of Romans 14, we shall all give an account of ourselves to God. Hey, by the way, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, I want us to go back there and let you all see that on the screen. Jesus said he's going to be coming. Timothy says Jesus is coming as the King of kings and Lord of lords. It says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. All right. It goes on in 1 Timothy and says that you keep this commandment, fight the good fight of faith, make a good con- confession. That you keep this commandment without spot, blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus period. said you obey this until Jesus comes back. Now listen to this. Which he will manifest in his own time that he is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming in majesty and glory as king. He's coming in judgment. You know first time he came? They put on him a crown of thorns. But I got good news. This time he's coming with a crown of glory. Not a crown of thorns, but a crown of glory. Because he's the king of all kings. The next time he comes, the first time he came and died on the cross, when he comes again, he's going to be sitting on a throne. The first time, now listen to this. The first time he came, they mocked him. They ridiculed him. They slapped him. They pulled his beard out. But I want you to listen to Philippians 2, verse 9 and 11. You know what it's going to be like when he comes back again? In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, I want you to listen to it. It says, All right, it says, therefore in verse 9. Now you remember they mocked him. They ridiculed him. If you be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Thank God he didn't. We would be lost. Therefore God has highly exalted him. Hallelujah. Giving him the name above every name. You know, you can talk about God all you want to, but when you start talking about Jesus, people get upset, don't they? Because I'm telling you, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's majesty in the name of Jesus. There's glory in the name of Jesus. Jesus is, it, ha, ha, has it, they, the Father has exalted Jesus and given him the name which is above every name. The sweetest word you could ever speak to anyone is, I want you to know I'm a follower of Jesus. Because he's the highly exalted one. It goes on and says here, God has highly exalted him, given him the name above every name. This is what's going to happen. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, verse 10, of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. That covers it. Did you know that? <laughs> every knee is going to bow. Of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and every tongue's gonna confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, listen, there'll be no more mocking, there'll be no ridiculing. I'll tell you, they'll see the Son of God in His majesty and and glory, and they will fall before them, the wicked, the atheist, the ungodly, the unbelievers, the mockers. They will fall down, and they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. You've got to understand, when He comes, He's coming as King. Now, you need to get ready for Him to come. You need to be ready. Over in Matthew chapter 25, you might want to turn over there. But you know, it's a parable. I'm just going to tell you the parable and, and draw it to a, Listen, the Bible says there were 10 virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. And they were all going to, to a wedding. They were all at a wedding. And they were looking and waiting for the bridegroom. Now, Jesus said when he gave this parable, five wise virgins waiting for the bridegroom, who is Jesus, had oil in their lamps. Then the five foolish virgins, who also were waiting for the bridegroom, had no oil in their lamps. Well, the bridegroom delayed his coming. He delayed his coming. But then you'll notice in in, in chapter 25 that... uh, In verse 6, it talks about when the bridegroom came. All right, it says in Matthew 25, verse 6. All right. And it talks about in verse 2, five of them were wise, five were foolish. The five foolish took oil in their lamps. Uh, The five foolish took the lamps but took no oil in them. The wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Listen to this. At the midnight cry. We just heard him sing that. <laughs> at the midnight cry. It says, at, the mid- at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. And go out to meet him. The five who had oil in their lamps, they were saved. Their body was a temple of the Holy Spirit. They were children of God. They went out to meet the bridegroom. He welcomed them. They had oil in their lamps. He took them in the room and shut the door. The five foolish ones who had no oil asked the five who did, can you give me some of your oil? They said, no, we can't do that. You have to get your own. Nobody can get saved for you. Nobody can get right for God, with God for you. Nobody can repent for you. You have to do it yourself. So we can't. Uh, so they went to get some oil. Well, they came back. And guess what? The door was shut. It says in verse 10 while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. That's his children, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came, saying, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. The door was shut. Do you know there will be a time? Right now, you can be saved. Right now, you can be forgiven. Right now, Jesus Christ can come to live in you, and you'll never be the same. He'll change you on the inside, and you'll live right on the outside. I know what some of you are thinking. I've tried, Brother Fred, but I can't live the Christian life. God never said you could. The Christian life is not possible. It's impossible. Only Jesus can live it. And so there's no excuse that you can offer. And so you say, well, you know, but just let me me say this. Jesus Christ is the all. If you have him in your life, you're going in. If you don't, you're not going in. And he answered and said, I do not know you. And then verse 13, watch therefore... For you do not know the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you're remembering that I'm coming again. You know, this morning, do you have oil in your lamp? In case you don't know it, it's midnight. Oh yeah, it's midnight. And if you listen, you may begin the sound of the trumpet. You may begin to hear you may begin to hear the shout. The bridegroom is coming. It's midnight. It's midnight. You say, I got plenty of time. No, you don't. No, you don't. Well, everybody been saying Jesus has been coming for years. They slumbered and slept, but then, whoo! the cry came out at midnight. The bridegroom is coming. So as we partake of this, you need to ask this question. Does Jesus Christ live in me? Are my sins forgiven? Am I a child of God? Now, I'm not asking you, are you religious? I'm not saying, no. I'm not asking you. You don't need to ask, well, am I religious? Oh, yeah. Am I Baptist? You say, oh, yeah. No, no, I'm not asking that. No, that's not not the issue. That's not the issue. Can you say, I've got all in my lamp. I repented of my sins. Jesus Christ came to live inside of me. He changed me on the inside, and I'm different on the outside. I'm ready for the Lord to come. I've got all in my lamp. And it's midnight, and when he cries, he's coming. I'll be ready to go in the air and meet him. I pray if you can, you can say, that. don't leave here today. Please don't. I plead with you. You say, Brother Fred, i got plenty of time. It's midnight. No, you don't have plenty of time. You do not. And so I plead with you. And, and, and if you do have Christ in your heart, this is not the time to be a casual Christian. Those two words don't go together, right? You know any casual atheist? They're working full time to stamp out Christianity. You know, you know any uh, casual liberals who hate the Word of God and who hate marriage as God ordained it and who, hate, uh, uh, who approve of abortion? Hey, they're not casual. They're aggressive and they're violent. I want to ask you one thing. How in the world can we ever be casual followers of Jesus? He called us to lay down our life. For the Son of God. And if you're a casual Christian. Flipping about it. You don't get in the Word, You don't pray. You're not serious about following Jesus. Man you need to repent and say God. These are desperate times. And you need desperate people. Who will follow you with all of your heart. Half hearted Christianity. Makes God sick. And so all God asks you to do. Is just repent. And surrender. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Now, as we come to the to the supper, thank you, Jesus, for dying for us on the cross. Thank you for bearing our sins in your body on the tree. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your precious blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you took my place. Thank you that you took my sin and you've given me your righteousness. And today I celebrate your death. I remember what you've done for me. I glory in the cross. And Jesus, I want you to know I'm looking up. My eyes are toward the eastern sky. I'm looking for you to come, Jesus. I'm looking for you to come. Coming suddenly, coming soon, maybe midnight, maybe noon. Lord, I humbly pray. Prepare my soul today. So if, if you're saved and Christ lives in you, you're God's child. Today we celebrate our salvation, but we celebrate our soon coming King.